Coming up on Art Palace. A painting of an Italian boy who goes searching for fame and fortune. <laughs> you were reading the label, weren't you? Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool people are visionaries and voices artists Jennifer Crow and Marion Cosgrove Rauk, Director of Education at Visionaries and Voices. Well, how long have you been an artist, uh, Jennifer? About, well, all my life I've been an artist, but yeah. I've been displaying art about 10 years ago. Okay. You Have you just like always loved to draw or forever? Always loved to draw. Yeah. What happened 10 years ago that got you? Oh, I started Visionaries and Voices. Okay. How did you get connected? Like, how did you find out about them or... A posting on Lad's, on one of the Lad apartments. I think it was the posting on Geyer, like in the front office. Okay. And so you saw it and were like, hey, I like to make art. Do you remember what it said or what? I, 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 I thought, well, it said, um, it's, it just said um, about visionaries and voices. And I, and I thought that's a great place to make art. I want to display my art. I want to forward it a little bit and I was looking for something to do after graduating from Project Search so I said perfect match. You said graduating from Project what was it called? Search. Project Search. What did they what's Project Search? What do they do? They um f they are supposed to well, I was in the program at Xavier University. They basically they give you the job skills and match you up with a career. Okay. I mean, the career doesn't always work out. I mean, I mean, the track record for five years down the road having the same one they matched up in product search is like not very many people yeah, can do that. Not, not too common. Yeah. Well, a lot of people change jobs. That's true. Especially yeah. Especially in their 20s. Yeah, that's very true. That's very common. Um, so... So you said you wanted to actually, like, show your art. Like, what, what made you excited to do that? Well... At the time, I was um, working with the recreation department um, that was that was working with me downtown at a place called Vine Street, and I wasn't doing very well there. I was I was doing an office. It was during Bengals season, <laughs> and eventually, I decided. Well, you know, I. I've been doing a whole lot of art um, in my house. In fact, I had enough art to display, but I wasn't wasn't displaying it. So I, I decided I wanted to make art and show it in ex expeditions. Exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's what visionaries and voices basically provide. It's a art studio for people with disabilities that want to do more with their art. Well, Marion, I'm sorry, you've Jennifer's doing a very good job being a spokesperson. <laughs> <for me. laughs> I don't know if you have much to do today, do you? I mean, 
She's like kind of a pro at this. Yeah, it would seem so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can always count on Jenny to tell the story, right? Yeah, she's doing a great job. So, so Marion, you not only have a connection with Visionaries and Voices, uh, but you have a long history with the museum as well. So mm-hmm. maybe let us know a little bit about your history with kind of both of those things, I guess. Okay, well, I did work here in the uh, Division of Learning Interpretation for about 12 years, started in 2000. I worked part-time before that and then came here and did youth and family audiences primarily and also did a lot of work with Art World and interactives and just summer camps and all the kinds of activities for youth and family, writing interpretive materials and so on. And then towards the end of the time I was working here, I got involved on a volunteer basis with Visionaries and Voices because they needed some teachers for the teaching artist program of which Jenny is a graduate. And she, yeah, since she can tell you about it. Oh, cool. 2008, yeah. Nice. So she went through that program, and we'll have to tell you about it in general. But I um, volunteered for that and got very interested in visionaries and voices at that time. And then I subsequently, not in any way connected, but um, I wound up leaving the art museum to homeschool my son, who has disabilities. So while I was doing that, I stayed in touch with visionaries and voices and uh, became a mentor in the TAP program one year. And then I joined the board for a number of years, but I always kind of wanted to work there. I like the place <laughs> so much. Yeah, it's a really cool place, very positive energy, a mm. lot of good stuff going on. And so I was involved with them in a number of ways. And then last year I did a certificate in disability studies okay. uh, through Children's Hospital. And that made me even more interested. So when the uh, position of education director came up recently, I said, ooh, 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 you know, I, I need to apply for that. So I'm really excited to be, you know, officially on the ground at Visionaries <laughs> and Voices now and working in the education, as the education director and um, doing a lot with the teaching artist program. You want to tell Russell a little bit about that? Yeah, tell me about, yeah, I'm curious uh, how you got started with the teaching artist program and what Well, what a that's couple like. of years ago, I was interested in working at um, a school um, for people with disabilities, but it wasn't just people with disabilities. It was people, um, as I found out. I got the, I got the thing from Samantha. I was in um, um, a uh, film outside lines program, and I was trying to teach my, my, um, my roommate, Annie, about um, the... Uh, the reading program and 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 then and then like Samantha approached me and said, "Well, you did wonderful at that. Would you like to teach art at Lenin Grove School to children on the autism spectrum?" And I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for six years. Wow. So was that the first time you'd taught done any kind of teaching, or did you have any experience before that with teaching? Or really, that was the first experience. Yeah. What did you learn from it? Like, what did what did you learn about being a teacher? You have to be flexible with your students. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was I mean, it was hard at the part of the first, and it takes patience to work with kids on the autism spectrum because I, I don't know. My first year, there was this one student who didn't like to do art but liked to do music, 
And so, and so he treated every, every day as a dance class. He wanted me to dance around the room with him. It wasn't Max, was it? <laughs> no, this was Anderson. Oh, okay. Pre-Max. I was going to say, that was pre-Max, yeah, because that sounds like my son. <laughs> so, well, that's cool. I'm glad you mentioned that you worked with kids on the autism spectrum, because actually, we, we, I know we have a VNB um, teaching artists coming to our next autism family exploration. And that's coming up on January 27th. So it's, it's really cool that you guys are, we're, we're bringing you in to do a lot of programs with us this year and it's really exciting. So I'm, I'm glad you, you've got experience. I know you're, you're, you're not the one who's coming this, this month, but you know, it's, it's cool to hear you talk about those experiences. Yeah. What, what was the training like for, um, to become a teaching artist? Like what did, was it like boot camp in the military? They make you run through tires or anything? Oh, actually, it, 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 almost, it almost seemed like that. Well, it, well, in the middle of my um, year that I was um, in the teaching artist program, basically it's like an eight-week, I mean, I mean, I'm an eight-month course. Mm-hmm. And you, um, well, actually it was an eight-week course when I, when I was there. So you weren't really doing much else in the eight months besides uh, well it was really just four months that I that I that I um I did it before I graduated because it was accelerated at that point and you basically learn job skills that will that would help you on your career of being a better teacher Mm -hmm. so some of the things like you learn about classroom management right yeah Yeah, how to manage those kids that want to dance yeah Uh (laughs) and I think also maybe you worked on writing lesson plans yeah so what what were the lesson plans you need to teach me how to do that because I'm (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a lesson I should probably have have learned at a certain point but just uh they keep letting me do it without without actually having that skill somehow (laughs) (laughs) well anyway writing lesson plans so I had to develop like 12 curriculum um lessons that I wanted my students on the autism spectrum to get out of my art and some of it was based off of my art but some was based off of my mentor's art too. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about uh, today about VNV or anything before we go up into the galleries and look at some art or? Um, I'm doing double vision um, this year too. It's a fundraiser and they help um, help provide um, fundraising for the next teaching artist program um, along with other things. Cool. Cool. And, um, and, and, and then there's other um, exhibitions throughout the year. Like I've recently done um, the winter um, display and, and, and we should probably kind of explain, you were talking about the exhibition. So VMV has a dedicated exhibition space, correct? Yes, Uh, it does. So, and um, so where where can people go check that out? Well, we do have a website, mm-hmm. visionariesandvoices.com, mm-hmm. and you can see our exhibition schedule. You can also see some profiles of artists. You can see artist work. Uh, you can see information about merchandise and things like that. And one of the newest and most exciting things you can see on the website is about our new location. 
Oh, okay. Called Visionarium. Mm-hmm. And that's over in Oakley Square. Have you been over there yet, Jen? Yeah, I taught um, my um, my niece and a couple of preschoolers over there in November. Oh, in the pop-pop oh, cool. pop class? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a new location for us, and it is a retail space, and then an area where we can have events and classes and things like that. So it's not a studio like mm-hmm. the Northside and Tri-County locations. Okay. But um, we're definitely doing classes and events. And one of the big reasons for having Visionarium is to provide a place to give more opportunities for the Teaching Artists Program graduates, of which there are about 25 now and another three coming up, Mm -hmm. um, more opportunities to teach. Cool. Cool. Well, are you guys ready to go up into the galleries and look at some art? Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, so does anyone speak Italian? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's one of the things I was hoping. I would have been okay in like French if we had come up here and there was a French title. I would have been doing better. And uh, uh, I'm learning. I I don't mean that. I I know I know only Spanish and French myself. Yeah. Mainly Spanish. I know, I know French and like a little bit of Portuguese. But so we're looking at Frank Stella's. And this is where we have to test our Italian, but we, we do have an uh, English translation. Jufa? Jufa? Jufa. Jufa. Statua. The Statua. The Gesso. I'm going to just use my hands a lot when I say it, and then I'll <laughs> hope that will translate into a good Italian accent. Jufa. Jufa. Il Statua. Gesso. Which means Jufa and the plaster statue. Yeah. And I have no idea if I'm saying that name right. It is G-I-U-F-A with an accent aigu, again, uh, in French. Yeah. I don't know what it's called in Italian. Um, so th- so let's step back and get a good look at this piece. We're, we're all huddled around the label uh, <laughs> trying to read the Italian. But this is a piece you really have to kind of be pretty far back to, to get a good look at because it is really big. What did you, we, we took a few moments to look at it, Jennifer. What did you notice right when you looked at it? Or what, what, what stuck out to you? It's got a lot of energy in it, real bright colors. What makes you think it has a lot of energy? Squiggles and lines and... Yeah, the way it's painted, it's like, you can tell like the, the artist maybe like made those squiggles with a lot of energy probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Real bright colors, pinks and yellows. Right. Reds, real hot colors, and then the maroon at the bottom. Yeah, it is all pretty warm colors, it's true. There aren't a lot of cool colors, so we've got this like really pretty bright pink on the back, we've got this bright red, we've got those yellows and the maroons, like you said, but there aren't any kind of cool colors like blues or greens or purples that you might think of. I guess that maroon is kind of yeah. the coolest color on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I've never, I've never thought about that. What, I mean, if you had to describe what you were looking at to somebody, what would you even say? Is it, is it like since we're telling somebody who's not even here to look at it, what, like, how would you describe this thing? Well, it pops. If you, it's a gray with the yellow, the, the yellow kind of pops the gray, and then there's the maroon kind of pops the red. Yeah, but what are we looking at? What's the, what is it? That's the big question. A painting of an Italian boy <laughs> who goes searching for fame and fortune 
<laughs> you were reading the label, weren't you? And, and then for some reason, he smashes a statue. Yeah, I can't remember the. So there is this folk tale it's based on, um, but it doesn't. I mean, is this a painting of a, an Italian boy? No, it's um, <laughs> it's a painting. Um, does it look like anything really? I mean, what does it like? An abstract shape, a, a smashed statue with a whole bunch of shapes in it. So like you this might be the boy's head, and then that looks like a pizza shape, and then and then there's waves going around it. Well, yeah, it's like I mean, even when you called it a painting, that's sort of a thing that's like, is it a painting? Like, is it, I mean, it sort of breaks some rules about that, and like it's abstract. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but it's like. Look at the painting next to it, right there on the wall by Pat yeah. Spear. Like that, I mean, it's abstract, but it's much more like a painting than this piece, right? Yeah. Why? What's the difference? This piece is more 3D, and that's 2D, but also it's the strokes. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's made different. <laughs> yeah, well, that one looks more sort of drippy and splattery, right? And this yeah. looks more like brush strokes. Yeah. What do you think about, okay, so that that painting is just a just a square, right? Yeah. So what what kind of shape do we have going on here? Is it one shape or is it many? It's many shapes. Yeah. And it's hard to even say. I mean, like, there is, it looks like a square in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all the way in the back, right? Yeah. It's almost like there was a painting and now it's kind of like come out of the painting and everything's sort of popping out at us, right? Yeah. And it's also, you know, you mentioned the brushy lines, which there are plenty of those, but then there's also these lines and, and shapes that are not very brushy at all, right? Yeah. Like the maroon part. What does, the, does this kind of look like anything to you right in the front, this piece that's kind of the closest to us, I guess? It's the most popped out part. Well, that's a cylinder, and it's a piece of paper, so it looks like a film... Um like for cameras and yeah stuff. it does kind of look that's true mm -hmm. yeah it's like that you we get this kind of cylinder shape like you're describing and it almost looks like the ends are like popping off of it like you could crawl in there it's like it's interesting because it's not all abstract in the way of like oh this doesn't seem to represent anything because we can get the sense of like shapes and it almost you know it feels very like graphic design kind of look of you know, this sharp black and white, um, almost like a logo or something. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. Well, I think this piece is kind of a bridge between two different styles of work for Stella. Yeah. In that you see, like, all those perfect stripes, right? That's, like, his older work. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to this, when he just did, like, the black ones. So it's very sharp and precise. And then he's kind of, like, collaged it on to this wild and crazy <laughs> nest of, I, I don't know, it's lunchtime, I'm getting hungry, I see spaghetti, I see pizza, I see all kinds of yummy stuff up on there. How yeah. about you? <laughs> so when I, I was telling you guys when you arrived that I, I didn't, I originally did not like this piece, and I think the reason I didn't like it is that it, um, because kind of what you're saying, like, it's almost like there's no rules to it, right? Like, there's no sense of where 
the boundaries are of like, where am I in this? Like, and I guess I probably at the time, I wanted a little more structure to look at. And, and so it, it sort of bothered me how like it combined two different visual languages and it's like, you know, it's 3D, it's 2D, it's messy, it's orderly. And then I think I kind of looked at it long enough that I realized like, oh, that's the point. <laughs> that's kind of the point. So, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't like it originally, but I think I, I, I've come to appreciate what it's doing. And you, you like to collage too, don't you? Yeah. Do you work in a, do you feel like you work in a similar way to this? Yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how, when you go about making something, what's your process? Stripes and shapes, and my collages are kind of messy too. They go off, off of a whole bunch of shapes. Like I might start out with a whirl, which is round, mm -hmm. and then I might go into a pizza shape. <laughs> yeah, it's into a wave. <laughs> yeah. So you work in a similar way. That's like, I mean, it seems very like intuitive too. Like he's just kind of following his instincts of. This looks, this, I think this might look good here. Is that what you do? Yeah. Yeah. You don't like, when you start off making something, you don't, do you make like a, a really careful sketch of what it's going to end up like, or do you just kind of let it all happen? I let it all happen. I basically cut up my work into different shapes. I mean, I, I mean, originally the original work is that you can tell what the boundary is, but then when I collage it, it it's, it, you can't. <laughs> so when you start, you start making like a, another kind of drawing or painting, and then you cut that painting up? Well, it, well it's always a drawing. I don't cut my paintings oh, okay. up. Okay. So you, st you start with a drawing that yeah. you... Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, th this kind of feels like in that same way where we have like a sense of maybe things that were drawn for other purposes, like I was talking about these shapes that remind me of logos or something that almost feel cut out of something else and then inserted into to here. It's interesting to think about this piece looks so, it looks almost as like kind of carefree as, you know, when you're working with paper, but of course, because it is so big and heavy and stuff like, I kind of realize like, well, he obviously had, there's actually a lot more planning in it than you probably can see. Um, or he probably worked like you do on like a smaller scale and then yeah. probably figured out how to make it a big version of that and, yeah. and do different things like that because you can't, it's, it's a lot harder to, to be spontaneous when you're working with stuff that's really big and heavy. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'd like to make something this big? Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you think your work would feel different if it was this big? As opposed, like how big, is, how, how big are most of your pieces you make now? Well, collage-wise, they're actually pretty small, but, yeah. I, but the bigger ones are on canvas. But I bet um, could make things on a bigger scale if I just like had a big canvas and like mm -hmm. pasted it. Do you think, do, what do you think, um, how do you think those pieces would feel different to, to, the, to the people looking at them? Do you think it would have a different effect on them? Well, 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 it would probably look heavier for one thing. I'd have to have a pretty big, heavy sheet of paper. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, when you're working big, you want to make sure you're working on something stronger, right? You don't yeah. want it to, to fall apart as well. So it, that's one of the benefits of working small is you can be kind of work with more delicate things and they're a little stronger when they're on yeah. a smaller scale, right? So yeah. when you look at this, does this 
painting make you feel big or small? It looks, um, makes me feel big because it started out small and skinny, but then it got heavier and heavier and bigger and bigger. So it probably took a lot of strength to um, move it. And also, it would give you courage to work in, in that scale. Mm-hmm. Or you would need some courage to work in that scale, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you should give it a try. What do you think? Yeah. I think that would be great. I think, yeah, you should, you should be inspired to, you know, maybe you can be inspired by this to make something a little bigger than you usually do. It's always, it's always when you kind of go outside of your normal comfort zone, you, you start to discover new things about yourself and, and, yeah. and figure out how to work in those ways. You'll, you'll figure out there's different challenges because it's like, do you still make the marks the way you always made them or do you have to now like move your arms differently or you know it, it, well basically i'm a pretty messy painter so yeah. that wouldn't be a problem <laughs> you would just make even well you would have just even more of a mess now right yeah <laughs> that's okay you know that's that's why we have studios right yeah <laughs> is it all canvas or is some of it metal or wood or no, something? No, I think it's, I think it is, uh, some is metal. Uh, this is another time when we go look at the label, because <laughs> the label should tell us everything. I mean, I think we have that definitely canvas in the background. So Mixed it's media, mi- so like etched magnesium, aluminum, and fiberglass. Yeah, so there's a lot of different materials there. Mm. So it's, it says mixed media on canvas because I think that very base background surface there is is canvas, but then all of these shapes, I think, are are probably the aluminum and fiberglass that we see. That what that's mentioned. Making shaped canvases is not super easy. Well, but it looks like it was a, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's not easy to work in magnesium or aluminum either. No, that's true. I, not like I know about working on either of those either. So. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the side of the canvas, it's like bolts you yeah, know it's not oh, like yeah. it's stapled on there i'm kind of looking at the edge of the shape and i definitely think you know this looks like um metal here and on the surface i don't you know it's it seems a, a little too flat and shiny for canvas at least on these first ones mm-hmm. but so i'm assuming these are some sort of metal shapes that are popping out here um or the fiberglass which takes in more light yeah, actually, I like that if you if we kind of come over here to this the big that cone shape, the big gray cone shape that sort of like looks like it's pushing through. That's one of my favorite parts is this edge of this shape that's cut out that feels like it's almost like corrugated. I don't even know. Yeah, but it's like corrugated metal or something. Yeah, and I don't know if that's actually what's like how that edge really would look if it's cut or if it's a little bit of like. Well, it really, it really depends on the material. If you, I, I mean, the children saw my, he's trying with aluminum, but, but, but yeah, you'd have to have almost wire um, to even work in that medium. Yeah, I don't know what they're, what they have going on there, but I, the way that's cut out, like the way that edge looks, and it's different than the other shapes in there, it makes it feel like we're looking at this piece has been like kind of popped out, you know, very, it makes it feel like, oh, this was cut out and popped out of it. It, it gives that extra, mm-hmm. extra layer to it. Because yeah. you don't see that on the other edges that are cut. They feel like very finished, but that makes it feel like, 
Like almost like this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> like, oops. oops. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oops. It popped out. I wonder what the shape, the edges. I'm gonna walk over and just kind of look to see the edge of that gray cone. Yeah. See, the gray cone is like has a very finished edge compared to the inside where it's sort of popping out of. Yeah. Like maybe put a thin strip of metal all the way around to yeah close it in in places. I just now I'm really curious about that inside. Like, was it intent? Like, was it actually? Did it look like that, or is that a little bit of like a intentionally like textured to make it feel like something that's been cut away more than it really was? I don't know. Well, any other thoughts you have about this piece, uh, Jennifer or Marion? Anything else you wanted to say about it? Well, I've known this painting for many, many years, and I've never looked at it as closely as I did today. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I never noticed about those edges before. Yeah, this is one that has, has, I think, been in the same spot in the museum for probably since the renovation. <laughs> I don't think it's moved because I think it's just too much trouble to move. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. I think it's pretty much built into the wall. Like, I don't think it goes, I don't think it moves. <laughs> yeah, it might have to be, actually. Yeah. It'd be interesting to ask the preparators, how I, much does that thing weigh? Yeah, I think I've been told, like, it is, like, it's a part of the wall at this point, basically. Like, it's not just something you, you just, not like another painting that you can quite so easily pick up and, and uh, <laughs> well, that's trade out with another well, that's one. That's because the other, the other ones aren't so heavy looking too. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. I think that's part of it is it's so heavy that it needs a lot of extra support um, behind it to keep it up. So that's part of why it's, it's pretty tricky to move. So yeah, definitely the weight of things. Well, I, I think that you, you might be discouraged from making a piece as big and as heavy as this. Yeah. But you could certainly try something. You know, you could use like cardboard or really mm -hmm. heavy paper. Yeah. And you know, you can get those things that help you like pop stuff off. You can build it up so that some of the pieces would be out and be more three-dimensional. Yeah. 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 Cardboard's a great option because it's, you know, thin enough that it's not too hard to cut and like you're saying it's light but you can get really sculptural with it you can do lots of things all right well I'm hoping I'm hoping we've inspired you to make some new stuff Jennifer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks so much for being my guest today both Welcome. of you yeah thank you for having us thank you thanks Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions on view right now are Albrecht Durer, The Age of Reformation and Renaissance, Anna England, Kinship, and William Kintridge, More Sweetly Play the Dance. In the spirit of today's conversation, we wanted to let you know about Connect, a program for adults with developmental disabilities. Each month, we explore different parts of the museum on a multi-sensory tour, then create art related to what we see. This free program happens on the fourth Saturday of each month, with the next on January 27th from 11 to 12.30. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and even join our Art Palace Facebook group. It looks like some of you took my pleas to heart and actually rated us on iTunes, but we'd still love more, so keep those five-star reviews aflowing. Our theme song is Ofrande Musicale by Bacalao. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.